All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bricks and Clicks. I'm Colin. And I'm Johnny. And we're here with our host and producer, Lucas, of the Rolled Up Podcast Network. Hey, Lucas. Hey, thanks for having me. I love the, um, I know it's not really the uh, intersection of retail and e-commerce because everything you do is far, far more retail, but it is nice seeing that crossover because there's so much overlay between e-commerce, which really is a logistics scheme and grocery, which is where you hang your hats and we're chatting with a little bit about today, which is really the distribution account planning. And I'll let you, Colin, share a little bit more about what that is. So when we're talking about distribution, as it pertains to account planning, we very much believe this is like the most important part of account planning. The most important thing is where you want to spend all your time if you have it. And so in the account planning sessions that I'm right in the middle of, and Johnny has been having as well, in the sessions I'm on, we're spending easily half the time, probably three quarters of the time on distribution. Is that about what you see, Johnny? Yeah, I'd say exactly right, 50 to 75%. And the reason it takes so long is you're going item by item, skew by skew, and talking about the distribution plan for that customer. And so the brands that we work with, and most brands out there, have a lot of SKUs. We're talking, it can be upwards of hundreds of SKUs when we're looking at brands with multiple categories. So it's very intense. It takes a lot of time and very detailed work, but it's so important. What do your sessions look like, Johnny, when you're doing distribution? Because we're usually not actually on the same uh, calls. There's always two questions that we want to look at. We want to answer at first is where are items selling right now in this retailer? So how many stores are they in? Are they in all the stores? Are they in half the stores? Are they only in the eight foot sections? So that's the first question. Where are they selling? And then how are they selling? So what's the velocity? How are items performing on a per store basis? So are we doing $15 per store per week on average? Are we doing five? And so we really need those two key numbers so we can kind of set the current landscape. We can say, hey, this is where we're at today. Now we see that. We see how our items are selling and where they're selling and what's the opportunity. So where are the gaps? So if we look at an account and we look at our top item and we'll pull up the numbers and have our current distribution and it says it's only in 50% of the ACV. Well, that's the first thing and probably the most important thing we're going to talk about all account planning session is why are we only in 50% our top item and how can we fill that void? How can we get that from 50% up to 100%? Because that's our top item. That's what drives the business. We know it's going to perform when we get more stores and we increase distribution. So let's focus on doing that. Everything should focus around that. And so we just work our way down the list, down that priority list that you set during your key learnings and your go-to-market strategy and talk about those opportunities. What about the new item stuff? Yeah, the fun stuff, the new innovation that everyone wants to talk about. Yeah, I think, I mean, you need to, you certainly address them. I'm a big believer, I know you are too, Colin, of let's talk about our core items first. So we just prioritize about what's the biggest volume upside. And if some of our core items are not in distribution, let's talk about that first. When we get through that, we put in the proper time and energy and effort into those top items, then we can move down to the innovation, talk about the fun new flavors or pack types or forms that marketing has come up with and that we're launching this year. But we got to talk about that base first. That's why it's so essential to have those clear guidelines going into account planning. We can all agree, yes, we are going to talk about these top 10 items first. We're going to go through all those, make sure we have distribution on that before we get to talk about the new innovation. And if everyone's on that page, then there'll be an easier conversation with account managers instead of people hopping around and trying to talk about the new flavor. Yeah, I think that upfront work of having the prioritization is just so important. 
to really having a session go well. Like when you have a, I know it's called different things at different companies, but say the, maybe a must stock list or the must stock should stock list or skew prioritization, like best in class sets. That's the thing that keeps everyone on the same page, right? If the organization agrees that these 10, 15, however many items you got are the important items, then the whole organization from the CEO all the way down to the managers, account managers can be focused on selling the same items and we're all tracking the same thing. So when the CEO asks you how it's going, you can be like, ah, oh, yeah, I just rounded out our must stock list. CEO is going to be super happy. You should be happy because those are, should be the best performing items. Yeah. And it's nice too. I mean, if you focus on that must stock list and you get those right, it allows you a lot of flexibility and a lot of margin to do other things and do the fun stuff. If, if that's not really what you want to focus on. Cause if you get those, let's call it top 10 in your numbers are going to look solid. You're going to drive growth for your brand and you're going to help your customers out. That's just going to give you more dollars that you can invest in more promotions, shopper marketing, innovation, whatever it could be. If you get those top 10, right. Or the core list. Here's a question for or a topic. What happens when you have sort of, let's call them three categories of products, your new innovations, which everyone loves and gets excited for. You have your, your consistent winners, which give you that margin. What about, I don't want to use any insulting terms, but let's just call them losers. The products that just don't do well, they suck, they take up retail space, they're, they expire, they cause customer service headaches. You have QA issues that come fully loaded with shrimp tails in them. What do you do with those losers? So that also is discussed during that prioritization list or the bottom ones. And that's where you're going to discuss skew rationalization. So the items that you know that have been in market for a while, they haven't driven growth over the last couple of years, their performance, their velocity performance is significantly below the key hurdles you need to be at. The retailers are most likely going to start discontinuing them. That's when you need to have a tough conversation internally and say, hey, maybe we should ski rationalize this ourselves because it's not driving margin, it's not driving dollars, and we're going to potentially lose that space on shelf. And so you need to be coordinated in that and be clear across the organization in terms of this is what we want to do. So we're recommending we're going to skew rationalize the bottom end skew because they're not really in much distribution and where they are, they're not performing well. They're making our supply chain a lot more. We need to all get on page, right? Marketing, finance, supply chain, the CEO, the leadership team, sales all need to be on that page and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of those. And you also then tied to that, you need to have a plan to replace those items. So how are you going to keep that space in shelf? Because even though they're not in a ton of distribution, they're still in some distribution. We don't want to just give up that space on shelf. So what items are we going to be bringing in? So that's where the innovation or the filling the voids is so important to be able to have that story for your sales team to go and sell it in. Say, yeah, we're getting rid of this flavor. We're bringing in this new flavor. And that's going to be your targeted swap out when you do these account planning sessions. You said, Johnny, a lot of that pre-work that needs to be done again, so that you can have the most productive account planning sessions possible to actually affect change in the future. It's kind of a, an interesting phenomenon that I've watched with many of our clients where we do account planning the first time. And often this is a new process to an organization. So it happens the first time and there's a lot of kind of know the good items, but everyone's not maybe bought in as much. And then when we get ready for the next round of account planning, as this comes up, everyone wants to have some say, right? And everyone wants to do pre-work. So there's a whole lot of work done for even the six months leading up to it, right? To really formalize, Hey, what are the important ones? Okay. Are we going to do skew rat? Okay. Marketing will say, here are the swaps we need to make. 
are we going to do a price increase? Like all this work comes together from the time you do the first account plan to the second. And that when, then when you walk into that second account planning session, like the second time ever for an organization, you've got way more material and you're just way more informed. And it's such valuable time spent because you are doing all kinds of stuff and the organization is behind you and they've handed you all this material to go do it with. So it's a beautiful thing when you do it for the second time. Cause you had that trust across everyone, right? Field sales is trusting headquarters and headquarters trusting field sales and finances involved and Omnium and investor marketing. Everyone has kind of gone through this together and saw that, hey, this can work. We've gotten some wins last year. Now we're going to go all in this year and really work together as a team. And of course, there's going to be, you're always going to have that tension between headquarters in the field and headquarters in marketing. And that's good. You want some tension there because you want that push and pull to figure out what's really possible. It's a great thing when it starts working. And you just repeat this every year and every year it gets better. What if it's the first year and you just don't have the benefit of the 104 weeks of previous data, but maybe you got into Kroger six months ago, it sells, you know, you're making money and you're, you want to plan. So you got three SKUs and 2,500 stores. So the math from the last episode about $3.9 million of revenue potentially that you're, you're looking on. How would you handle that skew prioritization when you don't have that historical data? A lot of studying and studies that we've done around this question in terms of, I just launched a new item. Here's how it's selling. Here's in-market performance. It's below my expectations. Let's say it's below your expectations. What are we going to do to try and drive velocities and improve it, the performance? One thing that Colin and his team and my team, what we've all figured out and what we've seen a lot of is across all categories is once you have about, call it 16 weeks of data of performance, that's basically what your performance is going to be and what your velocity is going to be. You can boost that up with promotions to drive it up for a week or two. But when you turn that promotion off, it's going to result back right to where it was before. And it's not going to jump up a lot. So we don't need that much data to get a really predictive read for how this item is going to perform in the future. So at least I've seen, I believe Colin has as well, is you have a lot of items that launch and you have the six months, like you said, at Kroger, and it's below expectations. And people start throwing a lot of money at it to try and keep juicing the velocities when you probably could spend those dollars elsewhere or start working on a plan to replace that item because it's probably not going to make it. You know that after, say, that 16 weeks of data, you do know the velocities. Hopefully one of them was a winner, I hope, <laughs> in our three-item example. Maybe there's one good one, and then you know, okay, we've learned then is that this is the great item, and we're going to really push more distribution on this one. And maybe some of those findings tell you like, hey, maybe the next retailer, we try this other item instead of this one that didn't do well. And you take those findings that you learned from, say, Kroger, and try and apply them to other retailers, especially when you're just starting out, like taking those findings and trying to use them elsewhere is a very good strategy to employ. And it also allows you to calculate how much you can invest for new doors and new stores. So if you have that six months of Kroger and we know our item is going to do three and a half units per store per week, we can probably guess what it's going to do at the next retailer we go into. It's an Albertsons or Meyer or whatever it's going to be. Once we know, say, hey, it's going to do three units at Sprouts then we can put together an offer, like we talked about a few episodes ago around slotting based on that velocity and say, yeah, we wanna get this into Sprouts and do hundred new doors. We're willing to spend $60 per door based on this performance that we've seen in market elsewhere. What if they want hundred dollars a store though? 
that's where the art of the negotiation comes into all right putting together what you can offer and what conditions would you be willing to spend a hundred dollars at or maybe you tie it into promotions or more distribution and more items or you just have to say maybe i can't spend a hundred dollars i'm sorry that just goes above what i'm willing to take on as risk um, and i just don't believe that's going to work so it really depends on what the organization is and what guardrails have been set earlier a hundred dollars is a lot and so you may need to go ask for incremental money from finance say hey we've got this great opportunity there is certainly some risk. Our numbers say that this is gonna pay back in 18 months. So it's gonna take a year and a half to get this 100 doors. It's gonna cost 100 bucks per. Are you willing to take that risk? It's gonna drive sales. There's always a chance that it gets, gets discontinued after the next reset a year from now, and then we've lost money. So that's account planning, uh, the distribution part, where that's the key focus. And Colin and I both recommend you spend at least half of your account planning time talking through the assortment, the priority, or the opportunities to go get, and how much you're willing to invest in that new distribution. Because that's going to make or break your plan for the upcoming years of the distribution assumptions and the opportunities mm -hmm. that you're able to acquire. So look out next week for our next episode. Thanks, Lucas. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Colin. Most importantly, thank you listeners, especially the ones who left a five-star review on Apple can't forget those listeners thank you so much without them we're uh we're gonna have to do some podcast account planning and maybe do a little trimming of ourselves which uh which is never never fun so thank you to everyone who listens left a review and kept us in those winning podcast circles make sure you're subscribed and we will see everyone back here for the next episode